Today is December 27th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to the show. I hope everyone had a great holiday, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, anything that you're celebrating, just hopefully you're celebrating it safely and with the ones you love. Um, New Year's is on the way, of course. But before we can end the year, we have to do the yearly wrap-up. This is the second time I'm doing this. I want to shed some light on some of the highlights of the year from my perspective. I'm sure everyone has their own opinion, hence the name of the podcast. But I'm just here to share mine. And here, uh, before I get into this actually, I want to talk about some of the things that happened since I've last spoke. Um, There's been a few things, some noteworthy things in the sport of boxing. Frank Martin, of course, is right at the top of the list. An incredible performance against Michelle Rivera. Everyone going into this fight, for the most part, believed it would be a 50-50 fight. Once the bell rang, it was apparent that one of these guys is much more advanced than the other. And it's not the guy with the more experience. Frank Martin, who started the sport late, really has caught on at an incredible rate and really has picked up nuances that veterans would be proud of. And I mean that literally because he is trained, well, he's trained by the best trainer in the sport, Derek James, but he's also training side-by-side with the guy who signed him, and that is three-belt champion Earl Spence Jr., one of the best in the game, period. And that showed, I think, the poise, the understanding of distance, the calmness of, of Frank Martin were all apparent throughout this fight. Even round one, in which I gave to Michelle Rivera, in fact, that was the only round I gave to Rivera, where he was using his jab extremely well, I said, okay, it's going to take Frank Martin a little bit of time to close that distance. Well, I was wrong because Frank Martin saw what we all saw and he took advantage of that in the second round, closed the distance really, really quickly and pretty much negated the jab to the point that Michelle Rivera stopped throwing it because it wasn't as effective. He made Rivera uncomfortable pretty much all night, taking the jab away from him and landing vicious body shots in the process, slowing Rivera down who I thought may have the advantage on it with his legs. That wasn't the case. Frank Martin was just an all-around better athlete, more prepared, thanks to his trainer, and simply better. Uh, He was just better at every aspect of the game, which I did not see coming going in. I thought it would be very close. I thought Rivera would be able to establish the jab early, and I thought Frank Martin would make it a fight late and eventually pull away, but that isn't what happened. Rivera... Didn't have any answers. He didn't have any game plan after A, and that is what lost him the fight. I just hope he's able to bounce back. He's an extremely talented fighter. I don't want people to start calling Rivera a bum or anything like that just because Frank Martin beat him so one-sidedly. This is what happens sometimes when two young, good fighters go at it. One guy's going to look bad. Unfortunately, it was Rivera in this uh, outing. Also like to say... Thanks to Broadway Joel, the voice of Dominican boxing. Check him out on YouTube. Great guy, by the way. He broke the news 
that leading into the fight, a few days before the fight, Michelle Rivera was hospitalized. He was struggling to make weight. He couldn't get below, I believe he said 144. Mind you, this fight took place at 135. So Rivera was struggling mightily with his weight cut. Like I said, ended up being hospitalized for it. Uh, For some reason, his team allowed him to carry on with the fight in an unhealthy manner. He eventually did make weight, which is weird, but he is back in the hospital. Hopefully he's out now. I haven't checked in the last couple days, but I do know he was back in the hospital after the fight. So that just shows the type of things these guys go through and kind of sheds a light on Rivera's side of the fight where he definitely struggled. He definitely didn't have a second game plan. So I don't think weight had anything to do with that, but I'm sure his mental state wasn't there going through what he went through. And I also just like to give him credit for finishing the fight. He didn't look to quit at any moment, even though he was apparently going through something physically. So shout out to him. Shout out to Frank Martin. Shout out to everyone. Great event overall um, as far as spreading light or shedding light rather on these guys in the division that haven't had that big fight yet, but that are willing to get in there and willing to test themselves. A lot of people don't get this opportunity as early as they would like to. A lot of people's teams will hold them back a little bit, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. I get it. It's a business. You don't want to throw your guy in there with someone that you don't think he's ready to beat yet, but you do have to take these risks, and I think Rivera will get another big opportunity because he's willing to get in there with Frank Martin. And Frank, as far as Frank Martin goes, I think he's going to be tough for anybody at 135. I don't care who you are. Devin Haney, Tank Davis, Vasily Lomachenko, Shakur Stevenson, you all better be on the lookout for Frank Martin. Frank Martin is nasty, <laughs> to say the least. This guy is going to be a problem. He can do it all. His, def- his defense was probably the thing that surprised me the most. I didn't know he had that. Like Shaquille O'Neal says, I wasn't familiar with your game. Well, I was familiar with Frank Martin's game, but it just hadn't been on display to this point. That shows me that not only did his trainer go above and beyond and get him ready for this, Frank Martin himself, as the competition stepped up, so did he. And sometimes that's what happens, especially with great fighters. When it gets time for a big fight against your toughest opponent, you give your best performance. And that's what we saw from Frank Martin. I'm really excited to see what he has in 2023 on his plate. Uh, There was rumors of a Chris Colbert fight. I don't mind the fight. I think that's a decent little stay busy fight. I don't look at it as a huge, huge matchup. Colbert is a good fighter, but his stock definitely has dropped since Hector Luis Garcia put a beating on him on Showtime and pretty much made him concede the last three or four rounds of the fight. So I don't know if that's going to be a big fight for Frank Martin. But if it's gonna, if you're telling me there's something bigger after that, that's kind of a stay busy thing, then I love it. He just got to stay active and stay fighting guys at or around his level. The good news is he signed to Earl Spence. We know Earl Spence doesn't really believe in tune-ups. This is a guy that had a car crash and fights Danny Garcia, has eye surgery, fights Jordanis Ugas. So if he is going to bring up a fighter on the same path that he's on, then we have nothing to worry about as far as Frank Martin goes. In other news, unfortunate news, Jermel Charlo has broken his hand while training for the Tim Zoo fight. 
the Tim Zoo versus Jamel Charlo fight was scheduled for January 27th, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know it was late January. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait quite some time before we get that fight. This comes at a time where we were super excited for January. January still has a lot of good fights on that on that calendar, but this was one of them, and it sucks that it's getting taken away, especially because this fight was something that could have taken place earlier this year, but Tim Zhu had some sort of injury, which pushed it to January. Now, leading up to the fight, we have this unfortunate break. Um, Jermel Charlo provided information and all the necessary things because Brian Castaño was kind of questioning the injury, similar to when Charlo questioned his injury. It's just kind of karma coming back on Charlo. He was a little insensitive to Castaño's injury, and Castaño was returning the favor. Needless to say, this is a legit injury. does suck. Holds up um, an undisputed title fight that everyone was looking forward to. But it could be good for Tim Zhu. Maybe Tim Zhu takes an interim fight. I know Tony Harrison was quick to throw his name out there and say, hey, I'm ready. I'll step in for Charlo. I'll fight Tim Zhu. That is a fight that I'm not going to say would be as good, but that is a very exciting fight. Tony Harrison looking to do whatever he can to get that third fight with Charlo. Knocking off Tim Zhu would definitely put him in line. He's looking for a Fandora fight as well, but Tim Zhu, I think, would work too. There would be a little bit of a, a risk, a high risk going against Tony Harrison. If I'm him, I take a lighter touch. I stay busy just so I don't lose that Charlo fight. You don't want to lose an opportunity at Undisputed um, and a huge payday at that. You want to keep that fight alive as much as you can. Going against Tony Harrison, while it would be a tremendous fight, that could be too much for Tim Zhu to, to really risk. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully they keep that event alive. Nothing has been said on that. Maybe they scrapped the whole thing entirely. We will have to find out. Stay tuned. And now for your main event. What we're here for. It's time to wrap up 2022. Let's put a bow on it. Send it into the atmosphere and we'll get ready for 2023. I'm going to go over the awards for you as follows. We're going to start out with card of the year. The runner-up has to be the all-woman's card. Over-delivered. It was hyped up, and it really did deliver. Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall was the main event. Michaela Mayer versus Alicia Bumgarner was the co-main. All four women did a tremendous job trash-talking each other on the lead-up. They both delivered in the ring with exciting matchups. That was my runner-up. Number one card of the year has to be Spence versus Ugas. There was some mismatches on the card, but it was extremely deep overall and highly, highly entertaining. It all started with one of the best fights of the year. Stanionis versus Butaev. It was a banger. Stanionis got himself the win he needed to get in the mix for big money fights. He's going to get a Virgil Ortiz fight because of the performance he had against Butaev. I believe both were undefeated going into the fight. It was on the prelims. In hindsight, that was a smart move. Originally, I was wondering why they didn't throw that on the pay-per-view card itself. They put it on the prelims to the pay-per-view because more people watched the free version. More people got eyeballs on Stanionis, and that is exactly what he needed. He's a great fighter. He just didn't have the popularity. Now he's slowly starting to get recognized. He did an 
interview on Chicken Talk. Check that out, Chicken Talk's YouTube. If you're not familiar with Lazy Lefty, he is the best space in all of boxing. But that is another conversation for another day. Also on that card was Crowley versus Josecito Lopez. That was a good one. Crowley picked up a much-needed victory against Josecito. I think Josecito is kind of a a past-it type guy. Crowley needed a name on his resume. And then you also had Jose Valenzuela, El Rayo, who at this point was highly touted prospect. This is before he gets stopped later in the year, but he has a good showing against Francisco Vargas. And then on the co-main event, you had Isak Cruz committing assault against Yurikas Gamboa. Destroys him, run through, runs through him like a train. It's ridiculous. And then, of course, the main event, Earl Spence versus Danas Ugas. All action, brutal, brutal display by Earl Spence applying pressure and destroying the eye of your Dennis Ugas. Ugas may never be the same again. Spence knocked all the rust off, came off an eye surgery, and took the eye of your Dennis Ugas. Excellent card from top to bottom. Highly entertaining. Go back and watch that if you haven't seen it. Next, I got to go trainer of the year. This one was the easiest one of all. No question about it. Derek James, trainer of Earl Spence Jr., who had the win over your Dennis Ugas. Trainer of Jermel Charlo, who had the undisputed championship win over Brian Castaño. And then, of course, the ghost who we talked about earlier, Frank Martin. Huge year for him. Started it as a virtually unknown prospect on a prelims on Fox. Literally day one of the year, January 1st. And then ends the year against Michelle Rivera. Going into it was a 50-50 fight. Frank Martin proved that he's on another level. Up next, we have Network of the Year. This one was pretty close. I liked the work of ESPN this year a lot. I think they did a good job of displaying their prospects. They did a good job um, putting really good fights on regular television, like the Undisputed Championship at lightweight between Devin Haney and George Cambosos. They actually fought twice. Both were on free television. The aforementioned... Clarissa Shields' card was on ESPN. They had some really good fights on ESPN. Definitely a strong year for them. DAZN did a great job in their niche. I think they need to stay. Well, they don't need to stay, but they they would do better for themselves if they stayed at what they did this year, and that is the women's cards, which they did excellent at, with Serrano and Taylor and... The flyweights, which they do in sensational at with Bam Rodriguez and Chocolatito and Juan Francisco Estrada and Sariskit Sorungvisai and guys like that, you do a great job with the women and the like the flyweight type guys. That is where the zone shines to me. I'll always go to them for those two things, and they deliver. But network of the year, I had to go with Showtime. Showtime delivered some of the best fights of the year. And they took place at 154. You had Terrell Goucher versus Tim Zhu. You had uh, Jermel Chala versus Brian Castano. You had Sebastian Fondora versus Erickson Lubin. And then on top of that, you had events like Tank and Roley. You had Spence Ugas card, which was card of the year. You had just a lot of quality fights. You had Stephen Fulton versus Danny Roman. There was a lot of good fights. Fight for fight, Showtime has to be Network of the Year. On to event of the year, which I just mentioned. Tank versus Roley, to me, 
was event of the year. Yes, Serrano Taylor was up there. And shout out to them. That was a historic moment. The first females to headline Madison Square Garden. And the fight itself was amazing. But event of the year, atmosphere, just to me, Tank Rowley. Maybe I'm biased because I was there. But that was just off the charts. They, they set an attendance record. Madonna was in the building. Plenty of other celebrities were in the building. The trash talk leading up to it. It was just a massive, massive event. Ended with a great knockout by Tank. It was just, to me, event of the year. Had to be. Let me know if you think differently. Like I said, I was there. So I know what I felt in the building. I know what the people around me felt. We were talking about it for weeks and months to come. That was event of the year for me. Next up, we got round of the year. This was a toss-up. Take a coin out of your pocket, flip it, but it's one of these. Round five, Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor. Two women main eventing at Madison Square Garden. Left it all on the line. I literally got goosebumps watching this back. Round five is a masterpiece. They are just throwing caution to the wind, doing whatever it takes to land a big shot on each other. It's fantastic. The one I had slightly, 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 like a hair above, was Erickson Lubin, Sebastian Fondora, round seven, this is coming off consecutive rounds where it looks like Lubin is really hurt. He's even hurt early in the round. Fights back to drop Fundora. It was pretty much his last hurrah of the fight. Puts Fundora down. When Fundora gets up, he's still just, Lubin just goes all out trying to knock Fundora out. He is unsuccessful at doing that. But what he is successful at is cementing this round for round of the year. But those are two. They're very close. Go back and watch them. Round 7 of Lubin, Lubin Fundora and round 5 of Serrano Taylor. You tell me what the better round is. Up next, we got Prospect of the Year. This one's another tough one, depending on the definition. Frank Martin is older. I get it. But the beginning of this year, literally January 1st, there was a fight event. Frank Martin was on the prelims as a prospect. Got the win. Later on, fought, fights Jackson Mariñez in a step-up bout. And then at the end of the year, finishes the year beating Michelle Rivera and pretty much becoming a contender at this point. So is he a prospect throughout the year? That's tough to answer. If he is, he's by far prospect of the year. By far. He didn't have a 10-round or 12-round fight before this year. So that is a prospect. Errol Spence Jr., Labeled him at that time as a prospect. That's the guy who's uh, managing him. So going by that, I have to say Frank Martin. If you're disqualifying Frank Martin, I'm going with my guy Xander Zayas. He was active this year. He stepped up every fight. He brings a crowd. I was in Madison Square Garden to see him. The crowd went nuts. He has a following. He has the skills. He has the youth. He has the look. He has it all. He's my prospect of the year. If you're disqualifying Frank Martin. Next, knockout of the year. There was a lot of good knockouts this year, but only one that keeps coming to mind. And when it happened, I said, that's probably knockout of the year. And that is Caleb Plant knocking out Anthony Durrell. To me, it was so unexpected. Caleb Plant, not known for one-punch power, 
literally the build-up to the fight, Anthony Durrell was saying, you ain't got no power. You're going to be running the whole time. You can't punch. And then he gets knocked out by a beautiful left hook. Instantly out. Plant then follows that up with one of the most disrespectful taunts to a fighter or celebrations, acting like he's shoveling dirt on him after knocking him out. It was incredible. Luckily, Anthony Durrell is okay. He has fully recovered. Didn't suffer any seriously or life-threatening injuries. He is fine. So we can look back on this and say, damn, that was a hell of a knockout. To me, knockout of the year. It took place on the undercard of the Deontay Wilder versus Hellenius fight. And actually, in that fight, you had an incredible knockout as well by Deontay Wilder. But there's definitely a lot of knockouts this year. But Plant has to be my knockout of the year. Up next, we have Fight of the Year. This was another one that was really tough. Um, two runner-ups here. I got to go with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. First women to headline Madison Square Garden. Fought their asses off for 10 straight rounds. Had a close fight, all-action fight. It delivered on the hype. That was the main thing. Had over a million viewers. This was a great event. Really historical. It really set off, which is which went down as the best year in women's boxing history. These two women are responsible for it because they set the bar and they proved that women's boxing is something you can watch, something you can get, be entertained by, and they will leave it all on the line, much like the men, if not more so. Another fight I have to mention before announcing the winner is Sebastian Fundora versus Erickson Lubin. They had my round of the year in round seven, but overall, this was just a fantastic war. Fundora and Lubin really left it all on the line. It was a scary moment at the end when you look at Lubin's face to see what this man went through in order to try and get back into the mix of at championship level at 154. Part of the reason why this is my favorite division in the sport was this fight. This is a fight you can take a casual fan, sit him down, and they will love it. I had a blast watching this fight. I will watch it again in the future. It was almost my fight of the year, but there was a little bit separating it, and I'm about to say why. My fight of the year was in that same division for all the gold. Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castaño, the second fight. Why do I have this as my fight of the year? I feel like it checked every single box. It felt big. It felt like a big moment. It had all the belts on the line. It had, undoubtedly, the two top fighters in the division going at it. It was a rematch. They had to live up to what was a great fight that they had last year. A fight that was extremely close. A fight that I scored for Brian Castaño in the first fight. Went down officially as a draw. I have no problem with the draw. It was that close. Again, I, I favored Castaño. So Charlo, knowing all that in his mind, goes into this second fight with a completely different game plan, really combining all his styles. He started early on as more of a boxer. He later developed into a big-time puncher. This fight displays all his skills wrapped into one. The reason I have this fight above Fundora Lubin is the skill by both men just seemed 
to be elevated. And that is Castaño and Charlo. This was a back-and-forth, tit-for-tat, highly, highly competitive fight. Every round was close for the most part. There was a lot of them you could have said, I have Castaño, the guy next to you may have Charlo. It was back and forth. It was dramatic. It ended in a stoppage. Guys, uh, Castaño was fighting until he couldn't fight anymore. There was defense. There was jab. There was movement. There was everything you can ask for in a championship fight. That is why it's my fight of the year. Go back and watch it if you haven't, or if you only watched it when it originally aired, go back and watch it again. It is amazing. Great fight. Great performance. I loved it. Next, we have Women's Fighter of the Year. I have to go with Clarissa Shields on this one. She beat undefeated Emma Cozen in the beginning of the year, hyped up the fight with Savannah Marshall, eventually goes to Marshall's home country, beats her on the inside at her own game. Clarissa Shields was not boxing and moving. Clarissa Shields was countering on the inside, standing and trading with the bigger Savannah Marshall. Beats her, becomes undisputed at middleweight. She calls herself the greatest woman of all time. I think she is on that path. She is definitely the best woman's fighter today. She is my woman's fighter of the year. Performance of the year. This, I have to go with Jamel Charlo on this one. It was close between him and Bam. Bam had an incredible performance against Sariskit Sorungasai. Uh, Dimitri Bivol is also someone you can name for what he did to Canelo. But to me, Charlo, again, beat the top guy in his division by stoppage. I think Charlo hit that extra gear that Bivol wasn't really willing to do. He was more like comfortable just winning every single round. And there's no problem with that. That's absolutely amazing too in its own right but Charlo just went that extra step got the stoppage cemented himself that is why he had my performance of the year but he's also fighter of the year Bivol second beat Canelo beat Gilberto Ramirez in extremely impressive fashion both of them were one-sided Charlo's wasn't one-sided it was back and forth against a guy who was just as good as him and he took himself to the next level Bam Rodriguez again I have to mention him one more time he moved up on short notice, beat Carlos Quadras for the title, then defended that title against the biggest puncher in his division in Sariskit Sorungvisai. He made Sorungvisai look like he didn't belong. And this is a kid who is the youngest champion in the sport going against a guy who knocked out Chocolatito. Bam Rodriguez is only 22 years old doing this stuff. And then he ended the year in September in a one-sided fight against Israel Gonzalez. That fight, while... He clearly won it. It wasn't as impressive as the other two. And that doesn't take anything away from him. Three, fighting three times a year, you don't get um, disparaged for that or anything like that. You get credit for that. So Bam was definitely in the, in the conversation. If you had Bam or you had Bevel, that's totally fine. I just personally like Charlo's performance against a guy who is equal to him. And that was really the only thing that separated it. Overall... A great year, 2022. We definitely had our ups and downs. I thought the first half was incredible. The summer was pretty solid, but there was things missing there. Picked up in the fall and then kind of died down towards the end of the winter. But I think overall, a really solid year, especially for the women, like I mentioned, probably the best women's year ever. 
And then I think 2023 is loading up to be an even better year. We're starting off in January with a loaded card. You've got Javante Tank Davis, Boots Ennis, Boo Boo Andrade, and Rashidi Ellis all on the same card. If that's not starting off the year right, I don't know what is. That's January 7th in D.C. That's going to be a good one. We have plenty of other things to look forward to, like Tank versus Ryan Garcia. Hopefully, uh, Jermel Charlo can get his hand fixed immediately so he can come back and defend his belt. You have talks of Devin Haney versus Lomachenko. You have Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk in negotiations. Supposedly, they're fighting soon. Deontay Wilder looks like he's back training. Rumors are for Andy Ruiz. There's a lot of fun things that are going to happen in 2023. Canelo Alvarez claims he wants to fight Bevel again. That would be a, a good fight to see. I'd rather see Bevel versus Better BF. But either way, there is a ton to look forward to in 2023. I hope you guys had a great 2022. Tune in. I will have one more episode of the year. If you're into professional wrestling, I will have a 2022 wrap-up for pro wrestling that should be out in the next couple of days. Other than that, stay safe. Enjoy New Year's. Please don't drink and drive. Call an Uber. $5, $10, $15 is much more worth it than getting a ticket or hurting someone or, or anything worse. Use your brains. Watch some boxing. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Thank you guys to the people in the UK. The UK listeners are catching up to the US listeners. I really appreciate it. That's all I got for you. I'm out.